Castro X coming at you live and direct as I do on a day-to-day basis. It's looking like that at least. Uh, tired as fuck as per use. I got a special guest in the motherfucking booth. Ali motherfucking Shay, uh, stand-up comedian, sketch comedy writer, probably a bunch of other shit that I'm gonna forget, but that's okay. How you doing, Ali motherfucking Shay? I am good. Thank you for asking. I'm glad to have How you are on the you, show. Castro? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm glad everything rhymed on that one. That was it nice. Did. That was Look at nice, you, spitting rhymes. That was a nice introduction. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that. So, uh, man, welcome to the show. You know Thank what I'm saying? You. Thank uh, you for having me. For those of y'all who are just now listening for the first time ever, this is the With All Due Respect podcast. Uh, you know what I mean? If y'all don't like it, with all due respect, you know what I mean? Fuck you. Big love. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, you do stand-up comedy. You do a lot of cool shit. You know what I'm saying? I dabble. Uh, you know what I mean? Was working on uh, trying to do some work for Saturday Night Live, things like that, right for them. Uh, what got you interested in comedy? I don't know. When I studied, I studied theater okay. uh, throughout middle school, and then it evolved into high school. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. You know, in high school, but then when I got to college, I was started like really getting into heavy improv comedy, um, which for those of you who don't know what improv comedy is, I would compare it to the show Whose Line Is It Anyway. Mm. Um, you go up, you audience gives you suggestions, and you build scenes off of that. Um, so it's very fast paced, very quick wit. I got into that, and it kind of really just evolved for like um, like a love of that. So it grew from there. To me, improv comedy is like the equivalent of like uh, freestyle rap. 
You know I'd what I'm say saying? So. How we just gotta come up with shit on off the, the spot. Top. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think that's definitely a talent. Uh, how'd you do it? That shit. Did you like it a lot? Yeah, it's a thrill. It's like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. So you, you got this energy, and you're like, okay, well, you gotta use it or lose it. Mm. And it's you know sometimes people get so terrified of stage fright or speaking in front of people, but. I always go in with the mentality of, okay, well, these people don't want to see me suck, and if they do, well, fuck you, <laughs> first mm. and foremost. But Fact. for the majority of people, they they want to see you do good. They want to have a good time. They want to have fun. So use that energy for something positive rather than negative. Mm. So I hate to be artificial and ask you corny questions like this, but I'm going to ask you a corny question. Like, so who are some of your big influences within comedy? Because there's so many greats. Uh, if you were to give like a top five or a top three, oh, I gotta who, put a limit on it. No, not at all. You can spit as many as you want. Uh, okay. Who are some of your influences? Uh, Robin Williams. Okay. Uh, Jim Carrey, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, Andy Kaufman. Um, notice how those are all men. Isn't that bad? Okay, so let's get into some women. Uh, Fortune Feimster is like one of my tops right now. Um. Chris DeSef, I can't say his last name, and God forbid he ever hears this. That's a he? That's a he. Chris. Chris DeStefano? I can't say it. He's Italian as hell, but he's funny. He's New York through and through, so he's hilarious. Um, Those are some of my tops right now. Those are, and some of those are classics. Some of those are, Mm -hmm. you know, new age, but that's who I listen to on a day-to-day basis. And so, are you studying comedy daily? Is that what normal uh, most people that are in your field do? Are they just constantly listening? Yeah, to Yeah, I mean, so one of my old professors, Bethany Frank, um, she kind of broke it down like this. Like, you look at a professional athlete. What are they doing day-to-day basis? They're studying their craft. They're going to the gym. They're working on their footwork. They're working on their shots. They're working on their throws. They're doing this 24-7. They're watching film. They're watching their competitors. They're going back over film of themselves. They're constantly absorbing all of this about themselves and uh, you know their craft around them. Mm. Well, why can't, I should be doing the same thing. If I wanna be the best that I can be and if I wanna get as good as I want to get, then I gotta study myself, I gotta study the others, I gotta study the greats, I gotta constantly be reading, I gotta constantly be breaking it down. How do I better myself? What can I do to progress rather than just stay constant? Mm. So. Um, sitting down on this show, I got to sit down with many creative minds, uh, some of them being uh, athletes as well, man, and uh, I do completely see that correlation, man. If you want to do something, it seems you have to constantly work on your craft, study it, you know what I mean, until you master it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's pretty cool that you, you stay, you know what I mean, doing your motherfucking thing, uh, studying 24-7, that's really good. Uh, what are some books and shit you're reading right now? Right now, I'm reading a biography over Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's big, and I'm so busy with my job right now, so I haven't been able to devote as much time as I wanted to to just sit, like sitting down and reading it. But man, it's breaking down his entire life, and it's just, it's like a gold mine for me. Like I can't seem to put the book down whenever I pick it up. So mm-hmm. it's like all I want. It's like, and I'll go to work, and I'll be sitting there thinking about it. Like, damn, I wish I brought my book to work, but I can't do that. So. So, what is the future for Ali motherfucking Shay? I know we've talked off air a million times, but what is the future for Ali motherfucking Shay looking like? Like, where are you planning on going? What are you planning on doing with yourself in this world of comedy? So, I moved back to Tulsa from Chicago in March. 
with the idea that I wanted to finish my schooling so I could get my bachelor's and teach because I was working in the bar industry in Chicago and I wasn't, you know, I was doing my comedy, I was working on what I loved, but at the end of the day, I wasn't being fulfilled the way I wanted to be with my schedule. I was working in a bar that, you know, 4 a.m., 5 o'clock in the morning, I'd get home at 7 o'clock and I would miss, you know, prime stand-up time, you know, prime time for going out and watching what I want to do. So I was like, well, what can I do? I can go back to school and get my degree. I can teach. I could teach theater during the day. I could still work on what I want to, still be involved with this craft that I love and help spread my joy and my love for it to other kids. And then at night, I could still have my free time to go work on what I want to work on, which is my stand-up, my writing, my sketch comedy. So that was so much more cost-efficient uh, cost to move back to Tulsa to finish my schooling because I was paying an incred incredible amount of money uh, just in bills in Chicago because it's expensive out there. So that plus paying on for my school on my own with no loans is just, it was, it would have been ridiculous. So I was like, well, I can come back to Tulsa, do my schooling, knock out my degree in a year and a half, and then, you know, my options are open, and then I can go do what I want to do. Mm. So that's where I'm at right now. But then COVID kind of put a hold on going back to school. I wasn't really feeling the whole online schooling. For me, I'm much more of an in-person learner. I mean, especially so. with something like theater, I feel like yeah. that would be way better in person. Yeah, and you know what? Like, a lot of people have gotten, like, ripped off. You know, imagine people getting accepted into Juilliard or Stanford or, you know, these amazing, amazing, like, incredible programs with so many credentials just to be told, oh, well, we're doing it online. You actually can't come be in person. Mm. And you're paying thousands upon thousands of dollars of tuition. I just don't think that'd be fun acting over no. uh, FaceTime. You well, saying a Zoom or whatever the fuck. That's funny you say that because right when I moved back, my old director reached out to me and I did a show over Zoom. Mm. I did a whole production over Zoom and it what was. What was that like? That entire experience. It was crazy. It's was hard. It than anything you'd ever done. It's completely different than anything I've ever done. And I imagine you're by yourself alone in a room. I yeah, I'm sitting there in my apartment. Um, my, my dog's over there in the corner, and I'm praying to God that he's quiet throughout the whole performance, and. It's, it, and it was such an action-heavy show that my director chose, and it was the first Zoom production he had done, so I don't think he really thought that part through, but we worked th through it all, you know? We figured out ways to handle this action-packed, heavy show. That's incredible. Over a fucking computer. Were people watching, or was this just yeah. for the class? People no, were people, fucking watching people were watching. Shit. We ended up having, like, there were wow. three different casts. So I was in, I performed for one night, and then the other people performed the other ones. And I think we ended up having, like, over 100 people coming to watch the show just online from the seats of their home. That's crazy. So yeah. were there a bunch of different screens? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's incredible. So, you guys were able to bring yeah, on our end, it was a special thing, like, special side of Zoom where you can have an audience where they won't have their camera showing. They're just, they're seeing what we put on the screen. So our actors, we had, like, nine different screens one of our actors was on screen like the majority of the time. I was one of the leads, so I was on the majority of the time. And it was just, it was so fun, but it was also like really difficult because acting is so, acting is reacting. And for me personally, it's like so physical. Like I, I can feel your energy that you're giving me on stage. So I react off of that. Mm. But you take that away and here I am talking to a computer screen and it just adds another level that you that have to dig deeper. a different notch of knowing what mm -hmm. you're doing. You know what it I'm does. saying? It does. You have to tap into it. You said something really interesting. Acting is reacting. Mm -hmm. Break that down. 
So acting is reacting. Um, I mean, everything that you do has a reaction. Mm. Um, you just asked me that question and I smiled. You know, I could have taken that a different way. Um, it's every little, the way you phrase things brings a reaction out of people. Mm. The way you, your body languages brings a reaction out of people. Your energy brings a reaction out of people. And does that apply to the actor or actress you're working with as yeah. well, not just the audience? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. How so, you are delivering your lines, your role right. is going to... Affect the way that you give your line back to me. I could say my line a hundred different ways, and we could have a hundred different scenes with the exact same script. Line A, B, C, D, E same exact script but if i change my inflection or my tone right, you're going to perceive flavor. yeah you're going to perceive that differently and so we're going to be reacting off of, of each other and it's very organic mm. now sometimes it's not organic and you're like okay this feels very forced what can i do how can i change my actions to that this feels natural mm. that this dialogue works that it fits together you see what i mean no i definitely do that's incredible um we talked off air a little bit about this uh subject but I find it very interesting, man, and I, I feel like my, my listeners may as well. Um, what's it like in the world of stand-up comedy for a woman? I think it's rough. Mm. It's hard. I think people, for some reason, and I don't, I don't know when it started, maybe because stand-up comedy started as such a, a male-dominated, like a boys' club, you know what I mean? Like, boys can get up there, talk about dirty shit all they want to, and everyone's like, oh, God, he's talking about penises and sex and vagina. Oh my God, he's crazy. But a girl gets up there, delivers the same set, the same thing, and it's like, whoa, she's dirty. You know, she's that's not fucking funny. That's gross. A woman has a place. Why is she up there talking about sex? Why, you know, why? Same set, same tone, same inflection, and then here we are. And it's just perceived differently, and I think that's society. Mm. I think women have to work twice as hard to be perceived as funny. Mm. I definitely uh, could see that you feel like it's society. Um, do you feel like things are progressing, though, as far as stand-up comedy? Females yeah. are going to get their place, Yeah, you know what I mean, in the comedy world. Yeah, I do. Mm. I think, you know, people are making names for themselves. And, I mean, there's tons of, you know, people that get overlooked, you know, from the shadows. I mean, like, some of the funniest people from SNL were women, but you, you only really ever hear about the men, don't you? So... On the tip of SNL, tell me a little bit about that, trying to get into that realm, that world. Talk to me. It's a very competitive world. Mm. You do a lot of research on it. Um, so SNL is a sketch comedy show. Mm -hmm. They put their entire show together over one week. You have one week. Your guest comes in on Monday. Whoever is hosting that week, your guest. And these writers can either, A, have scripts that they've been working on for the past couple of weeks or months or whatever, and they're just trying to get their their scene out there and they find a guest that works well for their scene so they'll either deliver it or they'll see who's coming in to host and they'll write a scene for that person then the writers you sit down in the writers room you go over however many countless sketches you have for the week and then say out of 30 only 10 get picked and so then you try again next week so it's this very cutthroat competitive environment that pushes you to be the best that you can be if your sketches aren't getting picked up, how long can you keep a job before they're like, all right, you got to go? I'd say maybe a season. Mm. Maybe. That's at tops. But they have new kids every season, and you'll only see them as like little extras in scenes or like maybe a line or two here. Or if they have a really good shtick, like if they have really good impersonations that is popular at that time, um, like 
uh, say something's popping off in pop culture all of a sudden and um, Cat Williams comes back up and he's popular that week and for some reason. If someone has a good impersonation of him, that even if they're a new kid, they're going to use that. They're going to suck that up because that's what's popular. That's what's edgy at that moment. They want their views. They want to be funny. So they're going to use you for what you have. What that you must be big talent. for that kid, too, as well. That's that's their moment. That's their you know moment. What I mean? So that's, that's what the kind of energy is there, is this cutthroat, like, so they say it's not always friendly, friendly for the new people that come on because you want to make a name for yourself. You want to stay on. You don't want to get cut. So you're always, like, looking over your shoulder, like, fuck, when's the shoe going to drop? You know, like, this feels too good to be true. When's the shoe going to be, like, when's the shoe going to drop? When am I going to get cut? So I love the comparison to uh, athletics that you use because that's, that's basically what it is uh, in the world of stand-up comedy. I mean, you're constantly, like you said, working on your craft. Uh, I mean, if you're not doing your thing, you get cut from the team. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as well as I see the comparison in hip-hop, man. If you, if you ain't dropping that shit, that hot fire. If you're not staying relevant, what are you doing? Right. They don't want you. That's crazy. That's intense. That's a rough world to deal with. Um, okay, so you've done some time in Chicago. You've got to do some shows out there. You're from uh, Georgia, mm -hmm. correct? Um, you've got to mess with the uh, comedy scene out here a little bit. Mm -hmm. What is the comedy scene uh, in comparison to, like, I don't know if you got to do comedy in Georgia at all. Um, no, no, no. I was just born in Atlanta. I moved okay. to Tulsa when I was like eight. So what what's the comedy scene like here versus in Chicago? It's growing. Mm. It Tulsa, like especially downtown Tulsa, Tulsa has such a growing scene, I think, <sighs> in every aspect of art. You know, Tulsa, people shit on Tulsa all the time for not, you know, for being boring. But what do you do when you're bored? You create. Mm. So I think a lot of people have turned to that and started creating. And now we have like new artists coming up with every different field, rap, art music, fashion, comedy, writing, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Mm. So, um, I was always too, before I went to Chicago, I was always too scared to do stand-up here. I felt like I knew everyone. I felt like everyone knew me, so I was so scared to get up there and do it. And I think I got the courage to try it officially when I was in Chicago because nobody knew me. Nobody was going to sit there and be like, oh, man, Allie fucking sucked. And if they did, I didn't fucking know them. So I could go home and I could still be fine at night. Right. Because chances are I'm not going to see you again in this big city. So for me, it was so much more personal. Like it felt like such a more heavy burden to try stand up here. Because I was so scared because I, I knew everyone. I felt like I knew everyone. And I was like, man, everyone's going to judge me. Everyone's going to think I suck. But at the end of the day, you're, you are your own worst critic. Mm. So... What was a good show like in Chicago for you? You know what I mean? Uh, when, you, when, you, when you, have you ever just captured the audience? What, what was that like? Oh, you mean like when, when I hit, like when you just, when, when you, you walked off stage, you're like, yeah, I fucking killed that. Yeah, what was that like? What was that feeling? Can I mean, well, let me, words? well, let me ask you, have you, did you ever, when you used to rap, did you ever hear the so, audience go, ah! I got to do one open mic night okay. when I was doing my rap shit. It's crazy because I've been rapping for like 10 years mm -hmm. uh, and I've only had one show, which was an open mic. So <clears throat> I know I was nervous as fuck. Um, I gain, I, when I rap, um, my shit's real conscious. Uh, a lot of people don't like conscious. Stream of thought conscious? Correct. Okay. I, I rap with, with, with a lot of uh, deep, deep thoughts, man. Uh, so 
first off, I'm not capturing audience, man. And if I do capture audience, it's boring because they just they're in the back thinking. You know what I'm saying? They're not turned up, nothing like that. So, but I did capture the uh, the MCs that were there, the other artists that that rapped to the degree I rapped. You know, they, I were, they were focused on the people lyrics. that were serious about it, the people that were there to also mm. show their craft that are that are serious about your craft. That meant more to you than the people in the back fucking drinking Coors Light. A hundred percent. So whenever I got, whenever they came up on stage and like, yo, keep that shit up, white boy. You know what I'm saying? And hug me and some motion. That, like, yes. that meant the universe. So is it the same as far as uh, your, your your comedy peers? It is. It is. I think, look, I've and I've always been that way. You know, after any show that I've done, people, you know, you go out, actors, you finish, you take your bow on stage, you go out back, you put on your clothes, you go out to the audience, people give you flowers. They did, you did so good. You did so good. You did so good. Sometimes they don't fucking mean it. Mm. And it's empty. And then you can't let that go to your head because... While people are telling me, you did so good, you did so good, you did so good. I'm sitting here going, thank you, thank you, thank you. In my head, I'm going over 20 notes that I've just given myself that I could have done better. You know what I mean? But I think it takes something from when a person that you admire, that does your craft, that you look up to, they come up to you and they're like, for me, how I've always been, I'd rather someone come to me and be like, look, you did great, but here's also something that you can work on. Mm. Because then it's not just some empty compliment bullshit that they're telling everybody else. It's like, hey, look, you did great. You did. But let's get better together. Mm. Work on this. And there's also a very sensitive way you have to phrase that. You can't just, like, be out here shitting on people. Be like, wow, you could have done this better. You could have done this. You know what I mean? There's a way to approach it that I think if people handle that and people that you admire come to you and say that, I... I wouldn't care. I'd be on top of the world. I'd be like, that meant so much to me. You know what I mean? I think that's important even when coming into uh, contact with just people on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a firm believer in iron sharpens iron. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your craft doesn't have to be anything special or creative or anything like that. Just on a day-to-day basis, I'm a firm believer of us striving to grow and and be better as people. So, you know what I'm saying? I come into contact uh, even with doing this show, you know what I mean, where I, I meet people and we have conversations and it's just, you know, uh, man, yeah, you're killing it here, brother, but you got to work here. You know right. what I mean? Um, I feel like that's incredibly beneficial, man. So uh, there were some people that had your back in that degree. They were, you, you killed it here, but, you know what I mean? But work on this. Mm. Get better. Mm. Complacency will be the death of you in any kind of art form. I, or, you know, not even art form in anything. If you get to a place where you're complacent and you're like, nah, I don't really feel like I have anything to do, then... Why are you doing it? I feel you. Uh, as far as Tulsa goes, um, do you plan on doing any shows coming soon? Uh, how's the coronavirus affecting just local shit? I mean, everything was shut down for a while, and you know, comedy clubs are so you know bar heavy. You know, everybody pack into a small room. Like, let's all laugh together. So I think it took a minute for people to get comfortable with the fact that, hey, we can be in a room together. Here's the guidelines. Let's do it. Let's try it Mm. Um, and see what comes from it. But I definitely think it's going to come back. Mm. I mean, people want to laugh. People need to laugh. It's so healing. You know, and that's what people need in a time like this where, like, everything is so uncertain. Well, what's one thing you can do? Well, we can laugh about it or we can all sit here and be miserable and fucking cry. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh humor comedy what does it mean to you the ability to 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 make others laugh 
What, what does that mean to you? To me, it's always been something of like, hey, we may all be going through it. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But let me sit in this room and distract you for 30 minutes, for five minutes, for an hour. And then you can walk away and take from that what you will. Whether you sat there and you're like, you know what, that was just a good 30 minutes where I wasn't thinking about my life. That's great. Or, hey, that was an hour and a half. I took a message away from that performance. I can apply that to my life. Mm. Whether it's something deep or where it's something very minuscule and minor. We sat there and we laughed and we had a good time. And I learned something from it either way. Mm. For me, I've always been the person that's like, if I can't laugh at my pain, it's not going to get better. Of course, you have to feel that. You have to feel that emotion. You have to feel that, you know, real thing in order to get over it. But at some point, I also have to laugh at it. I think that heals me a little bit more. Definitely. Uh, Let me ask you this. You know, uh, we get deep on this show, man. I've often heard some of the funniest people, uh, shouts out to Robin Williams, uh, are are some of the most depressed and going through it motherfuckers. Uh, Can you attest to that? Can you speak on that for me? You mean like personally? Uh, personally, if you want to get personal or just the, the, the topic in and of itself. I could, I could see that. I could see that. Now that's not me saying everybody, the, the funniest people in the world, everyone's, you know, depressed, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's sad. Everybody's sad. Man, suck it the fuck up. I'll make you happy. But that's not me. Everybody has feelings. Mm. I do think the people that want other people to laugh know that pain and you just want to distract that you want to take away from that because it fucking sucks being sad it's not fun it's a terrible feeling it i i've struggled the past few years i really went through a, a battle with really bad anxiety you know i was smoking weed all the time i was drinking all the time you know this was back when i was 21 i I couldn't stop and I was like, you know, I was like, I quit working on my comedy, I quit doing a lot of productive things and I just felt like shit all the time and I was like, well, why is, why is this? Why am I fucking sad? Why am I anxious all the time? And I really had to turn inwards and, and kind of find my love for that comedy again and, and let it kind of heal me and kind of work from square one. Mm. Um, as far as writing your, your comedy, right, uh, say a set. You know what I mean? We've talked a little bit uh, mm-hmm. about it off air, obviously. But I find it incredibly interesting how you guys do what you do, how you guys fill a five-minute slot, how you guys fill a 10-minute, 15, 30. You know what I mean? How, how you guys do that. Uh, how do you go? Uh, what's, your, what's, your, what's your routine? What's your, your process when trying to fill those slots? I mean... My personal thing is I... There's different types of comedy. There's, you know, there's people that do one-liners, and that's their shtick. That's their thing. There's people that tell stories. There's people that do characters and impersonations. I'm definitely more of a storyline person. I want to make you be able to relate to me. I think if I can make it relatable, I can make it funny, because people are like, you know what? I've been in that situation, too. I know what she's talking about. I fucking get it. And that's how I approach it. And you can have different sets that you've had or different jokes that you've had for like a year or two or new jokes. And if you could find a way to make them mesh together. And for me, I like it to sound natural, like no, you know, no weird jumping from one joke to a completely different topic. That's not my thing. Mm. I want to kind of get there organically. Um, But that's 
that's a that's something you have to find out how to get to you know sometimes newer comedians or even comedians that have been in the game for years they just go off of topic to topic to topic to topic and it's not cohesive and that's fine that's their way they want to do it their style that's their style there's nothing wrong with it have you always been more of a storyteller with your comedy uh, i think since i have you started yeah but i had to learn how to make it organic storytelling sorry about that we got a, a net flying around in the uh the bedroom studio if you will uh i i just find that incredible uh just you guys' entire writing process. I find that uh, extremely interesting. Um, as far as, my bad, I lost my train of thought. I'm holding okay. myself. Uh, oh, I remember now. So check this out. Uh, we talked a little bit off air about this as well, just what, you, what your humor consists of uh, sometimes on stage, what you like to talk about, man. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what it's like just, I mean, Dating the dating scene in Chicago. It was fucking. It was rough. Tell me about it that shit, so man. That's something bad. not everybody gets to deal with. And it's not even the, like I was out there looking for like this is what I'm gonna write my stand-up material about. There was just like four months where I was going the fuck through it with my dating life. I was like left and right. These dudes were just absolutely it seemed like what am i what am i doing to attract this at this were moment? they horrible or were they horrible was there anybody good no oh. no and the one guy oh my god the one guy all right we'll talk about it let's talk about it let's we'll talk hear. about it so i was working in the west loop of chicago i was at this beautiful place in the west loop this very corporate like downtown area of chicago i was serving like some really cool people like high-class people from McDonald's headquarters, Google headquarters, like this really like artsy corporate area. It was a cool vibe. But after we would get off work, we'd go to like this little shitty pub, Aberdeen Tap, like a block and a half away from our bar, and we would just go and get trashed after work because that's what you do, and we would have fun. And I had the biggest crush <laughs> on this guy uh on this guy and you know all my co-workers knew and they were trying to like hook it up and like he he thought I was funny and like because I you know I I don't know and uh look I'm getting awkward now because I can just feel Take this fucking time. story oh this story makes me cringe so I'm actually so this was like November it would my birthday had just passed of, of last year in October so I'm like off this high for my birthday. I'm like, it was a good time. I'm in Chicago. Like nobody can tell me shit. I'm on my I'm on my next level. I'm doing stand up. Like I'm I'm in a great spot. I, yes, I've been having terrible dates. Whatever. I know this guy's flirting with me. He's a huge crush of mine. I'm ready to go. So I was like, you know what? Tonight's the night. I go into this bar and he's he happens to be off, and he sits down next to me. And we're sitting down, we're talking, we're shooting the shit, we start drinking. Uh, his, his, like, he's doing that thing where, like, his knee will touch mine, and then it's like, it's like, you know, it's like this chemistry thing. You're like, whatever, he's life. feeling me, he's feeling me, I'm funny, I'm on my shit, I'm a 10, like, let's go. I'm Allie about it. Shay. I'm Allie motherfucking Shay, I'm not gonna be self-conscious, I'm ready to go, I'm about it. So we get drunk, we go to another bar, same thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna ask him to come over and we're gonna watch a movie. We're gonna watch a movie in my 250 square foot apartment in Chicago. 
and it's going to be great. Mm. I'm going to have a good time. So we go to my house, and we're still talking. We're having fun. We have beer in my fridge. We're still drinking. Probably should have stopped fucking drinking because uh, I'm, I'm not a big drinker like that anymore, so I, I get drunk. And one thing leads to another. We start kissing, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. This is what I wanted. Wow, he's a good kisser. This is fun. Um, whatever. I'm, I'm cool. I'm a bad bitch. I'm like feeling the moment. I suck his dick. I love the joke. <laughs> Sucked his dick. And it was great. It was fun. We had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great time. And then it comes to the point it was like, hey, I'm tired. I'm drunk. I'm ready to go to bed. He's like, all right, homie, let's go to bed. And he gets up, gets dressed, and he starts walking towards my door. And he's like, you know what, Allie? I had a great time. Let's do it again sometime. Holds up his motherfucking hand and gives me a high five. That's awkward as fuck. I shut the door and I'm like, I'm going to kill myself right now. I just took this guy's dick and I got a high five. Mm. I don't even think that's like a homie level. That's like an awkward acquaintance level. Like, I didn't even get dabbed up like I'm a bro. Like, I just sucked your dick. Oh, hey, you're a cool dude. What's up? Let's dab it up. I got a fucking high five, Sean. I got a fucking high five after I sucked this guy's dick. And I was so mortified. I fucking FaceTimed my little sister. I said, what did I just do? What did I just put myself into? And I didn't even have his number afterwards. Like, he was like, he was like, let me get your number. And after he high-fived me, I was just like, I'm good. Mm. I'm good. It was like one of those moments where you're like, all you can do is laugh at it because you can't take the high five back. Did you see him in person again after that? I sure did. How was that? Well, I, so I had come home for a week for my best friend's wedding. I was in the wedding. I had another good time. I was like, I'm not going to think about that kid. Whatever. I don't even have a crush. It ain't even like that. I'm trying to like play myself down because I just Lord. got mortified and high fived. And I told all my friends and they were like, Roasting me the whole time. They're like, you got fucking high fived. They're like, Allie has great head, man. She got high fived afterwards. She didn't even get dapped up. She got high fived. The whole wedding was a joke. <laughs> Everyone was high fiving me left and right. Um, and then, so I get back to Chicago and I'm I'm hanging out with my friends and we go to the Aberdeen Tap, and there he is and he's like, Hey Allie, and he fucking high fives me when he sees me. <laughs> I said, What the fuck? Fucking ass. So at that point, I was just like, okay, well, that's whatever. So now every time I high-five someone, I just, I have this moment in my head where I'm like, did I just suck your dick or something? Because you're high-fiving me. <laughs> that's fucked up. So that's what Dayton's like in Chicago then. Oh, no, that was, you that was like. horror stories past that? So bad. Let I met this guy one. online. He was like, sweet. He was like a doctor. I was like, you know what? Let's try it. He's smart. Okay, let me, cool. Let me ask you real quick, not to interrupt, but how do you not run into serial killers out there? I just imagine it's such a big place. I think there's serial killers. If I was to try to date anybody in Chicago, I'm like, I'm going to get raped, you know, or murdered, or some shit. I just got fears. You, you understand? got fears, you got fears you. of being raped? Tell me about that. Uh, Break that down for me. Man, I did a whole episode yesterday. 
Uh, not about my butthole getting to it, because I ain't against no butthole play. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, man, don't nobody want to get raped. Don't nobody want their butthole to it. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like that's a normal thing in America. Like, let's not do that. I don't want my As a, it's like, can we all just sit down together and just be like, hey, can we not do that? I feel is this like, something that, like, we could uh, maybe not do? What's that word uh, where you both got to agree? Consensual. Yep. Butthole play is is key. You know okay. what I'm saying? If, if butthole's getting took, like... But how do you sit down and have that... Have you had that conversation with someone? Like, hey, <laughs> me. <laughs> I mean, like, me. I'm, I'm into communication, man. Communication's never an issue with me. So, I feel like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, hey, yo, if you're going to touch my butthole, just, just let me know what the let ticket is. Let me know beforehand. Is. You know what I mean? I feel like that's key. How would you feel if someone <laughs> touched your butthole, got all up in it, and then gave you a high five afterwards? So, I've been in some situations <laughs> where, like, you know, I'm doing my thing. You know, we get nasty on this show. Uh, I'm doing my thing. You know, I'm stroking. You feel me? I'm in the shit. And chick just reach around without, hey, I'm going to do this. Just reach around, finger in the butthole. Shouts out to my baby mama. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, ah, okay. I'm a bitch to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a bitch. And this is what you think of me. Right. I mean, I went with it because I was like, okay. You were in. Okay. You're like, you know? we're about it. But in my heart, I was like, I'm just her little just, fuck toy. You know what I'm saying? This is all I'm just is. a piece of meat. Right. Soft legacy. And now you know how women feel. No. <laughs> I feel like it's the equivalent of a high five after some hair done. Oh, it was so bad. It was the most <laughs> degrading thing. Like, I would, I felt like I'd rather have some, I don't know what I would rather have done to me than a Butthole. fucking high five. <laughs> maybe, mm. maybe than, than a fucking high five after making so, a dude come. I didn't mean to get you uh, off topic. You, you, you met a dude online. Oh, the doctor. The doctor. The doctor. Go into it for me. He was spitting game. He was super sweet. He was like, hey, like, you're gorgeous. You have such pretty eyes. Like, please, like, please, please, please let me take you out to dinner. Like, I'm sitting here at my work, and I'm like, I really was not feeling like going out that night. All my coworkers are hyping me up. Like, you're Ali motherfucking Shay. You're a bad bitch. <laughs> You've had some really bad dates. Maybe this is the one. This is the one. That's going to be great. No high fives. No high fives. Nothing. You're not even going to touch hands. It's going to be great. There's going to be no contact and you're going to love it. Like, you know what? Okay, he's cute, whatever. So we were Snapchatting, whatever. And I hate, I fucking hate Snapchat first and foremost. I do. I think it's such a cop out. I hate Snapchat. I don't want to have short, shitty conversations with you. I'd rather talk to you. I, I just, I, that's personal. I hate when a guy asks for my Snapchat. I'm like, automatically, I'm like, you're a fuck boy. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. I made an exception. I was like, whatever, this guy's a doctor. Maybe he's not. So I show up to this date. I get ready. I look good. We're at this fucking sushi restaurant. And uh, he gets there after me. So I'm sitting down. I'm waiting. I'm like, I grab a table for two. I'm sitting there. And like on this guy's profile, he said he's, he, said he was 6'4". Mm. He walks in, 5'4". Okay. 5'4". I'm like, okay. Did that Did that kill it for you, or were you just like... No, I was like, I wore my heels, so I'm real, I'm tall, I'm like 5'9". I'm 5'9", like almost 5'10". I come from a tall family. My, I mean, my dad's short. My dad's like 5'7", but my mom's tall. 
It's like, I can work with this. This is fine. I can still be confident in heels. I don't care if you're short. It just threw me off guard. Well, then we're sitting down. We're having a lovely conversation about nothing. I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm pulling out my teeth trying to talk to this guy because he doesn't know how to talk. And that's what I hate is like when you sit there behind a keyboard and you can talk all day, but when you get in person, you get so shy and you're like, you can't work past that shyness. And you're like, I'm sitting here struggling to talk to you. And I was like, so like, you're not from Chicago. Like you're from so-and-so. I can't remember where he's from, but it's like, tell me why you're here. Studying medicine. Mm. Okay, great. Like, where do you study? So-and-so hospital. Okay, awesome. Waiter comes by. You guys want some sushi? Yeah. <laughs> okay, what kind of roll do you want? Uh, give me a second. And it's just like, it was just the most awkward, like, dull conversation I've ever had in my life. And it comes to the point where, like, you know, we're finishing, we pay, he pays for my meal. I was like, thank you, you know, it's very kind, I appreciate it. He's like, okay, well, like, I'm going to go home. He's like, do you want to go have a drink? And I was like... No, I don't, because I can't imagine my skin's crawling right now, and I'm trying to force conversation. I don't want to go have a drink with you. It's like, no, I think I'm just going to go home. He's like, do you want to ride home? First and foremost, Chicago's a fucking big city. I didn't have a car. I didn't want to pay 30 bucks for an Uber home. So I'm like, yeah, you can give me a ride home. This is where <laughs> I fucked up. I should have gotten my Uber. We're sitting there, and... He was a serial killer? He might have been. I could have died. Um, we're sitting there. We're on our way home. It takes me like 30 minutes to get home. And he like starts touching my knee in the car. And he's like, I'm going to show you Chicago. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to go home. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought we were going to go home. Like, I'm ready to go home. He's like, no, I'm going to show you Chicago. You're going to see a side of Chicago you've never seen. Proceeds to drive me around my own neighborhood in Chicago, showing me different bars. I'm like, yep. I've drank there, I've been there, I did comedy there. The most awkward thing in my life. And then, like, so this forced conversation keeps going, keep going, keep going, and we finally get to my house. And, uh, well, it wasn't my house, it was down the street from my house because I don't want this kid to know where I live. Um, highlighted the story, he leans over, tries to kiss me, and I, I panicked and I, I pecked him. And he tried to slip his tongue in my mouth, and I was like, this is not where this was going. But I learned a lesson. You can't kiss someone because you feel so bad for them. Because they'll think it's a whole nother level. Because mm. then he proceeded to send me dick pics and ask to see my boobs. That's rough. After the most uncomfortable two hours of my life. That's rough. And there was That's also rough. no, no, um, no in between. Like, he dropped me off at my house and was like, hey, had fun with you. Do you, do you want to see my dick? <laughs> I'm like, after you just try to slip me your tongue. And I said, oh, no, thank you. I did. I said, I forgot about that. I, he tried to slip me his tongue. I said, oh, no, thank you. I got to go. Get out of the car. Five minutes later, do you want to see my dick? That's wild. Uncomfortably wild. Uncomfortable. So, okay. Uh, we talked about this off air as well, man. I just found it fascinating. Uh, you told me about this place. You, you said Chicago is like the little mini hub for comedy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and you mentioned this thing called, not Twin Cities. Second City. Second City. Talk to me about Second City. Tell me about that. It's this hub where you study comedy. It's like a little conservatory style where you go, you sign up, you take classes. There's different levels of classes. 
so on and so forth, and um, you kind of work through their program to get a better understanding of the business. Uh, essentially, after walking away from it, I realized it's just essentially you're paying for your own connections. Yeah, you get education, but you're paying to get those connections that you might not have just walking around doing stand-up around the city. You're going to get connected with higher-up people that know people that know so-and-so. Lorne Michaels, who is the director of SNL for a long time, he uh, frequently goes to Second City shows and picks out people from um, from studying, and he'll be like, hey, I want you to come audition for SNL, or hey, I think you're doing good, keep it up. Mm. So that's how he can sometimes find new cast members. That's dope. <laughs> Yeah, it's real cool. Yeah, I ain't never heard of that till uh, Ali motherfucking Shay, you know what I'm saying, shared that shit with me. So I figured y'all motherfuckers might find that interesting. Uh, Is there something like that, like that you would ever compare that to? Within hip hop? Yeah. Uh, man, probably like some rap battle scenes or something. Nothing out here in Tulsa that mm-hmm. I'm aware of, man. You, you just kind of. They're damn straight in school you can go to. So how do you get your stuff out there? Is it what, just like word of mouth, social word media? Word of mouth, social media, grinding it out. You know what I mean? Hitting the pavement. You feel me? Like, uh, hey, you want to listen to my mixtape? Right, exactly. That's not a joke. That's real shit. <laughs> <laughs> listen to my mixtape. Hey! That's real life shit. My mixtape, man. Going out, you know what I mean? Performing. Uh, I feel performing for hip-hop artists is the best way to get known. Get out there, do shows. You know, because we're doing shows, people going to see you. And they might like you, so they'll go follow you on whatever the fuck you want, Instagram, SoundCloud, wherever you're at, so they can cop more of your music, you know okay. what I'm saying? So, yeah. Did um, you ever have a SoundCloud? Uh, I had a SoundCloud with the label I was with, okay. uh, Pacifist Productions. It was their shit, so they just put my shit on their shit. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't own any of the rights to my shit that I had with them either. I actually... I hear that that's a big struggle. Yeah, I mean, they were broke, though, too. Like, that's what sucks, is they just, it was made with them. So, like, now I can't have my music type shit. It was right. made under that shit. We never made no money, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, can I have my music? I can, can redo I... this, and it could be better. Can I, go can ahead. Can I suck your dick? Can I suck your dick? Can I, yeah, man, so, yeah, that's how it is in the hip-hop world. It's all right, you know what I'm saying? But, I don't know, uh... I do apologize. Like I said, I'm tired of a motherfucker. Uh, as far as uh, impersonations go, you know what I mean? You ever dabbled in that realm of comedy? I do. I am not amazing at it. I want to get better. But I also, I'm like, a, I have this problem where even at, like the majority of the time when I'm alone at my house and I'll be listening to something on the radio or music or TV or a movie... I'll hear something that clicks in my ear, like I'll hear a phrase or like, oh, like the way someone says a word or if it's a weird accent, I'll start like trying to mimic it. Mm. And then I just keep repeating it over and over and over. And it's a problem that sometimes people call out and I, I forget I even have it because it's so subconscious now. Like I'll just, I'll just spit it out. I'll hear something and I'm like, I have to repeat this right now because I, I love doing accents and weird voices but i can't get my impersonations of like people down it's really hard Mm. but i can do accents i think that that's so interesting that you're so into your craft though that it's like uh without even thinking you you, like you say you clean in the house and it's instinct yeah it just hits you like oh i gotta i gotta figure out how to do that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean that's that's crazy that's when you obsessed with the craft i Mm -hmm. feel and then being obsessed with your craft 
people may talk against it. I feel that's 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 the key. You know what I mean? When you become obsessed with your craft, that's when you you become the best motherfucker out there. Cause that's all what you think What the fuck did Jack Harlow say in one of his songs? Some people call it a scary obsession. I've never listened to Jack I just Harlow. I call it a, I call it a passion or something like it's it's in it's in what's popping. Oh, that's that what's popping. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the fuck he yeah. says. That's I'm enjoying hip hop now. Just that whole little bumble skit we just did. But yeah, that's it is. It's bad. Right. It's, and you know what's crazy? Like I grew up listening to hip hop and I loved it, and I had to like hide it from my parents for a long time because I was like listening to some fucking crazy shit. Like, and I wasn't allowed to. So, but it was the same back then. I would memorize these songs and like I would try. I would tried for years to get down Lil Wayne's voice. Yeah. In his songs. Can you get it? He, you think you? I believe the fifth. I'm not doing it on this show. Okay, that's I'm not fair. doing it that's on fair. this show. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, you know I mean, I can do like uh, Ja Rule. I was big Ja Rule, DMX, shit like that. I like them dudes a lot. So. A fun one that took me a while was Fetty Wap. Fet, you can do Fetty Wap? <laughs> I ain't never heard him talk, but you gonna do it on the show? No. Oh, I man. Draw, I draw a line because they can't see my face. And so it's like, for me, it's such a physical thing and that's one thing that like i was doing research about have you ever seen jim uh jim carrey do his impersonations uh not too much no you okay so when you have free time look this kid up on youtube there's it's jim carrey yeah it's jim carrey right yeah his whole hit physicality his face changes it's like that person comes and takes over his body it's such a physical thing for him, it's like the craziest thing to watch, and I could just watch it over and over and over. The fact that his whole face literally changes when he does a James Dean impersonation, or when he does um, any anybody, it, it, he does Arnold Schwarzenegger, and his face changes. It's like the craziest thing to watch. Did you watch that documentary on Netflix about Jim Carrey? I did. Uh, when he was uh, about when he was doing Andy Kaufman. What you think about that shit? I first of all I was thrilled because Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey are two of my like idols. So when I was watching the documentary, like breaking it down, it was. Is that real? Yeah. It's real shit, and he went through all of that because it feels like he was a method actor. He feels like he lost himself into that. He did. He did. Talk to me about it. Go ahead. He did. He totally did. He got so into being this person, like that's what method acting is. You you take it real. You don't take that off. You become that person. That's why, like what Leo does, what Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp. Uh, Ben Affleck. Heath Ledger, the Joker. Heath, and, and what did, what happened? I mean, he got so into it. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, you know what I mean? That's terrifying, right? These people, like, they take it upon themselves to go to the extreme. Uh, Christian Bale, when he was in, um, the, uh, The Machinist. I don't even think that's how you say it, but that's how I say it, because I'm stupid, but, um, when he, like, literally weighed a hundred and... 15 yeah, pounds yeah, yeah. using the tuna in an apple a day. Fuck that. And so they go so far, and that's what Jim Carrey did. He took it too far, and everyone was sort of filming him offset because he was a fucking asshole. And Andy Kaufman was, you know, a drinker, and, and, and so they, they just took it too far. What do you think of Jim now? I think he's very... He woke. <laughs> very aware of his surroundings. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's beautiful. And I don't think he always was that way. I don't either. You know what's crazy? He, when his, um, he always told his dad he was going to make a million dollars. And he was going to be, he was going to make it. And he was going to do big things. And he blew up really fast. 
because of his character and you know with Ace Ventura and with the mask he did those um, back to back and his dad passed away mm. and his first million dollar check he ever got he put it in his dad's grave really mm-hmm. he didn't cash it he put it in his grave that's beautiful yeah I don't know I think Jim's uh, pretty amazing I'm gonna definitely He's have to magician. look into his impersonation it's the craziest thing you'll see his mm. whole his whole physicality changes which makes sense because you're physically not being you. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy. I think if I did acting, that's I would like to. I think I would try method acting as well. Like I want to become the character. I feel like that's the only way I could. Let me ask it. you a question. Yeah. Can you alter your voice? I mean, I can like change it up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I feel like I can. Give me, give me an example. Let's test it live on the show. Since you didn't want to do impersonation, let's see how that. <laughs> so you throwing me under the bus now? Let now let me embarrass myself. We'll, we'll okay. Try like that. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I mean, so you have such a you have a voice that you, I would say it's unique. I'd hope like to that 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 like people that were casting me in a film were like, oh yeah, don't change. You fucking you talk cool like. But you, you can't play Sean. You know what I mean? You got to be someone else. You can't play Sean all day long. Right. You gotta you gotta bring something to the table. Right. Otherwise you're gonna be the rock. <laughs> otherwise you're gonna be the rock. I hope he who's is making this. fucking millions of dollars. Do what he but wants to I'd do. Be so but he's the same sh- character in every movie. Shouts out to him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Shouts out to Samuel. You know, those guys that do get typecasted. Yeah. But I personally would be disappointed in myself if that's where I got stuck. It if, would. Like I have to I just cause as an artist, like I want to continue to expand and grow. I it want to took do some me, weird shit. It took me a long time to not be typecasted. I was always the funny, boisterous, like crazy, loud character in theater, and it took me a minute to get a lead to where I was a serious character, to where I got to play in a drama. So let me ask you this: uh, acting, right? Mm-hmm. Do you are you open to playing roles that aren't just comedy, serious? Oh roles? yeah, I've done them. Okay. I was I, I was the lead in Antigone. I was Antigone, a Greek drama. You okay. know what I mean? Uh, I I loved it. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's a challenge. I was you know I really love Shakespeare, which is weird, but some people are like I don't understand it. But for me, I sit there and I read it, and it clicks Factory to me. Factory low. Shouts out to those uh studio malfunctions. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I, I when it comes to theater, and, and people are surprised that because I'm. People often just throw me aside as like, ah, she's funny, whatever, whatever. But when they see that I can actually, I have some chops underneath me to where I can do both. I think it do shocks them. Do you want them. to do both? Yeah, I just want, I want to do anything I can that's involved with the craft. I don't care what it is. Mm. I hated learning about fucking lights for theater, but I sat there and did it because I was like, well, maybe this will get me more involved. This will get me something that I can do. That's, that's hunger. Yeah. Right there. That's what that is, is that hunger. That's all I wanted to do. Man. I like that. That's good. No, that's that's refreshing to hear from you. You know what I'm saying? Cause for like what I do, you know what I mean. I'm willing to go to school, learn audio engineering. Uh, yeah. I'm fucking with literally any rapper or anybody that wants to come on to my show just because it's gonna open up a door to get me where I want to go right. within my field. You know what I mean? Right. Not even within my field because I'm a weird motherfucker that. Excuse me, I had some shit in my mouth. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I'm the type of weird motherfucker to wear. A rapper tell me, hey, drop a verse on my shit podcast, boy. And I'm going to drop a verse. Uh, I might interview an, uh, a stand-up comedian, actress, actor, whoever the fuck on my shit. And they'd be like, hey, bro, you kind of cool. Come with me to this. 
And then I'm acting. You know it's what I'm saying? All about networking. That's all. That's what I'm saying. I'm open to anything and everything. As yeah. long as see, my hunger is in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. I just want to be involved in entertainment. I love entertaining motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. It's my shit. You know what I mean? But anyway, that's just a quick little tangent. I ain't mean to go no, off. No, you. But you have to I admire that hunger in you. I think. And that I'm that itching right now, man. I'm, I feel like I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything since that Zoom show, and I'm itching so bad to get back into it. I got a uh, shitty-ass script you can help me write, because I don't know how to write scripts, you know what I'm saying? I got a shitty script, you know what I mean? Why are you dogging it? Uh, Because it's dick humor, and that's what I do. So. Have you ever seen Workaholics? Have you ever seen Clerks? No. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to Kevin Smith. <laughs> little, I think I could do more, but like I said, this is my first little go at it, and I'm like, toilet humor, bro. Do that shit. Easy money. Start it, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely. I laugh at toilet jokes. Ali motherfucking Shay. Welcome to the With All Due Respect podcast for the first time. Thank you. you. Uh, We got three, four minutes left. You know what I'm saying? I want to, like I said, open it up. Man, you free to come back anytime you fucking want. You know what I'm saying? I definitely would like to track you throughout your career Uh, like a serial killer or a stalker, I feel that shit uh, could be beneficial as far as promoting goals. I'm not going to kill you. I don't really mean that, that those, were t- those were terrible analogies okay. or metaphors. Analogies. What was an analogy, man? Anyway, you got it. Keep going. You got it. Whatever got it was, it. <laughs> you do your thing, man. You do you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I just, you know, welcome. Come back as much Thank as you, you want. Come talk shit. We don't even got to talk about anything. We just shoot the shit. You know shoot what I mean? Shit. Welcome. Is uh, is this the part where we high five? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, this has been the With All Due Respect podcast, starring Ali Motherfucking Shay. Uh, it's your man Castro X, and you got anything else you want to say? You want to tell anything to the up and coming stand up comedians of the universe, of the galaxy? Don't let people shit on your parade, man. If you if it makes you laugh, you're doing something. Mm. Don't be out here just getting high fives for head, kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had somebody on my show yesterday that paid $500 for a hand job out in Vegas at the Bunny Ranch. I got really upset. <laughs> a hand job, bro? A hand job? A hand job? $500. That's my rent. I can't afford that. <laughs> Bitch, I'm going to go broke behind your hand. Like, that's upsetting to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Imagine paying five hundred dollars and it's still like a fucking dry ass jam. I'll look at that bra like she dumb as fuck when she says it's five hundred dollars. What what? The fuck? I'm calling the feds on you. You about to go to prison, bitch. Anyway. With all due respect podcast. If y'all don't like it, fuck you. We out. Yeah. Gun noises. <laughs>